Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the final regular series episode of Firefly, Objects in Space. River is wandering about the ship, as if in a dream. She sees the others and hears their thoughts, or or what she thinks are their thoughts. She sees a branch on the floor, picks it up, and then comes around. The branch is a gun, and everyone is very worried. There follows a lot of discussion about River. Kaylee reveals how she killed three people with her eyes shut. Mal thinks she's a psychic, possibly even an assassin. Mal must make a decision. Meanwhile, a bounty hunter comes aboard the Serenity while in space. He captures the crew, but cannot find River. River has become one with the ship, and she taunts the bounty hunter, revealing his thoughts. Meanwhile, River engineers the rest of the crew out of the trap. The bounty hunter finally realizes that River is not part of the Serenity. She's on his ship. She tells him she's willing to go with him, but Simon fights for her and is shot. Mal also gets beat up again, but when the bounty hunter is making the crossing, Mal throws him into space. The end. So I, I want to, I, I, I'm going to ask a question and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to, because I have really very much just watched this episode within the last <laughs> few hours. So I have not had a lot of time to process this. So I am, I am running on, I am running on in intuition uh, on this one. Uh, Joss Whedon wrote this? Yep. Okay. Okay. That fits perfectly with my interpretation. So I, I, I want to recount a little a little story. When I was in, in high school, so for, for people who do not have quote-unquote high school, that's the highest grade of school before you move off to university here. And in my senior year, my final year, uh, my English class was great short works great short literature, great short something, but it was, and it's one of those classes where you would read books and then you would discuss it. And the teacher would often tell you what it was supposed to mean um, and expound upon the symbolism and the, the, the hidden themes and the deeper meanings that the author was imbuing into the story. And you're going to say you, you read Jean-Paul Sartre's Nausea. <laughs> I have read it, but it's been a very long time, but not in that class. But but nice, nice, interesting, interesting that you should point that out. Because I thought of him while I was watching this episode somewhat. Um, no, what I what I was going to say was that I had some problems with that class because a lot of times what the teacher was explaining to us was here's what the author intended to tell you. And I, I didn't, I didn't feel that that was always right. 
The only person that's going to know what the author was intending to tell you is the author. And if a third party comes along and they see meaning or they see symbolism or they see a theme and they tell you what it means, that's them, not not what it is. And and this well, is uh, you're assuming assuming the author was consciously aware of what they were going to tell you. And that's exactly my but, point. But uh, if only if only the author could do an audio commentary on top of their okay, well, piece I, of art. That's that's why I wanted to get this out of the way before because I bet you you know what's going on here in this story and I want to see if I'm even remotely on target. This, this class screwed me up for life. Because I I firmly am kind of in the, you know, is like, is Captain Ahab's leg, peg leg, symbolism for his obsession, or is it the cause of his obsession? And I feel when the writer was writing it, he was using it as an excuse, not as symbolism. And is it even symbolism if the author didn't intend it as symbolism? And, and so I have always been, and I think that explains this podcast, Every time I read something, every time I watch something, it is, I am, it's unavoidable for me to try to think what the author was thinking. And a lot of the time, it's not the author was thinking these amazing high-minded thoughts. It's the author has stumbled blindly across these themes, and that's why it resonates with people. It's, you know, there's, there's that difference. And that's, why I think the way I think. monkey syndrome or whatever it's called. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, the other kind of, well, I'm sure there's more than one group, but another way to be screwed up by a class like that is to come out of it thinking that when you write something, you really got to layer it on thick so that your English teacher will be proud of you. And that's what I felt like when I was watching this story. Um, that was my deconstruction of this story. It's like, Wow, I, I'm sure that the author really finished that one and said, I have done something today that my English teacher will be proud of. And that is that is that is what I got as I was watching this episode. It's like, wow, they're just laying this on thick. And looking back on this, um, the series as a whole, knowing that this is Whedon who is uh, doing this episode and and seeing that this was was kind of a theme throughout the whole thing um this sort of you make your own meaning meanings derived from yourself not from from the environment around you and 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 i kind of feel like maybe he knew this was the last episode and so he was just driving it driving it home uh on there but um i i i think that's probably enough for us to get the going i i would say one other thing this really felt like the crunch episode uh which i think we've had and we can discuss this one way or the other uh with some other characters this was obviously intended to be the crunch episode where mal finally embraces river as a true asset you know instead of a pure liability uh, where he's where she's hmm. moved a little further into the asset column and she's now part of the family. I think this cement, if the show had gone on, I think this is the point where she was cemented in. Um, but yeah, although, I mean, it feels a bit to me that you have to have an explanation in the episode that the rest of the crew are not aware of what happened at the end of war stories. Yeah. So, when when you sort of go back to the river waving a gun around at the beginning, 
and everyone sort of having that case conference about her, it felt a bit like that was a step back to where we had been. And, 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 you know, like the conversations going along the lines of Simon trying to say, well, I don't think River would hurt any of us. And Jane's like, uh, hello, big knife, slashing my <laughs> chest, kind of. And, yeah. and, and you can see everyone in the crew thinking, oh, yeah, but, you know, we've all thought about doing that to Jane. Yeah, I, I did feel like that this one was, there was some things about this which were just kind of, they needed to, that they explained a little more than they kind of needed to. I mean, we've talked about the possibility is, is, is she psychic or is she just hyper observant? And we don't get that answer. Well, we in a way, we don't get that as answer for certain in this episode, but there are some things that happened in the episode. For example, when we're on the ship, when we're on early ship, easy, early, Early, early. Early. We're on early ship. Uh, and, you know, they kind of look around his cockpit and you see his mom and you see the dogs and you see the, the stuff like that. That was telegraphing at me that, that that's important. You needed to see this. And then there was no there was no suspense in my mind at all that River had actually melded into the ship. I, I immediately go, oh, she's over on the other ship. And when as she starts expounding upon, and I don't know if that's bad direction or bad writing or, or intentional or what, when she starts talking to him about the, I think it's you intentional. know, what he did, I'm like, well, obviously she's seeing that from the pictures on his ship and whatever he's got on his, uh, uh, that she can tap into if it's in the computer, if it's just his life around him, which is not in previous episodes, we have not really been privy to seeing the things that she uses to be tipped off to appear psychic. Does that make sense? It, it seems so much heavier handed yes. in this episode than in the past. Well, and the fact that know. they I actually mean, say it for the first time ever. I said, I think she's a reader. Yes. Yes. It, that was, that, that all felt heavy to me, maybe necessary, but you know, they were forcing it. At, well, at the, but but this, but this is what this episode is supposed to be. It is supposed to be the episode in which we discover that River is psychic, which I find quite interesting because I, after four or five or whatever it is viewings of this, my take on it is still basically the same as yours, which is that we do not get that from this episode. We don't. We do. There's not. there is the dream sequence at the beginning, <laughs> which I think is supposed to be an indication of how River experiences her psychic abilities. But again, that's like, if if she is this incredible savant, you know, her observation skills are to an extreme that no normal conscious human would be aware of, it doesn't necessarily mean that she is actually conscious of how she gets that information herself right and she's not even conscious in that as far as we can tell i mean as you say it's she's kind of she's 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 having a kind of hallucination and 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 so therefore it doesn't seem to me that that in itself is proof of her psychic abilities there is as you say the conversation that the crew have about whether or not she is psychic because they are weighing up 
some things that they think she wouldn't be able to know if she weren't psychic. Well, again, maybe, but that's their interpretation of it. There are other possible explanations available. And then there is River's own uh, interpretation of Early's uh, personality mm-hmm. and, you know, some, I suppose, psychic reading of, of some of his early life, all of which, as you point out, has alternative explanations. So I don't think this actually does what Whedon himself says this episode does and which the kind of Firefly fandom claims this ep- episode does. Um, uh, uh, which is, as it were, to to give you conclusive proof of the nature of what I'm going to call River's psychic abilities, but which might actually be abilities that don't depend on actual telepathy. It's just pseudo-psychic. It's her abilities in other respects are so good that she appears to be psychic. It's a a form of savantism that they've intentionally induced. In, uh, yeah, in and 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 it and and it, it it's reflected in the fact that early is this is this kind of he's this he's he's a counterpart for River. Yes, in the sense that he is a an nut extremely God, well, God. he's a nut job. Yeah, that's part of it. But but he's not just that. He is this extremely um, capable bounty hunter. So in some way, that kind of mirrors river's uh, abilities that are becoming apparent as an assassin only for him they're much more honed to the point where it is a profession for him but he also shares some of those other qualities that river has yes partly of being a nut job and there are some interesting distinctions that whedon goes out of his way to make between early and river in terms of why she is a good nut job and he is a bad nut job he he, she she Uh, Let's see. Right. I mean, he, he's dark, right? I mean, his his manifestations of what seem to be what obsesses him are are dark um, thoughts, or at least that's how I interpret. And rivers aren't. They're kind of childlike, joyous, maybe even. But he has. He ha- I, I, you're entirely correct about where he's coming from. But on top of that, he has... I wouldn't certainly wouldn't say it go so far as to say joyous, but his kind of philosophical musings are actually a bit childlike. You know, when you know when when he when he says man is stronger than woman, woman, but woman can remember. Yeah, yeah. Does does that seem right to you? That he's he's always asking these questions. That seems that was another tip off to me that made me think this was Whedon. <laughs> there's there's an awful lot of sort of self-reflective dialogue uh, instead of I don't want to say it's unnecessary but in other words the guy's just walking around talking and licking things and 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 expounding upon these little ideas like I had this idea and and I feel like I'm hearing something that the writer was musing about one day and wrote down on a sticky note and said, "Got to stick that in a character's mouth someday." Um, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I put it quite like that, but I do think, I increasingly think, partly coming from these discussions with you and partly f- from watching through Firefly, thinking 
about who wrote each episode that Whedon does have because obviously I'm I haven't watched all of the the kind of main Whedon oeuvre of Buffy and Angel and I I say main because it's what he's famous for but also because there's a hell of a lot of it and watching one series of Firefly two series of Dollhouse and his Much Ado About Nothing doesn't quite amount to the same amount of material but he has got a really distinctive which i think is what you're saying a distinctive authorial voice in the way that only a you know a few a, a, a few kind of modern writers do i mean people like aaron sorkin whose dialogue you cannot disguise if it's if it's written by sorkin you'll recognize it i mean david mamet is just an extraordinarily uh, stylish and stylized playwright. You can't mistake something he's written for something someone else has written. And while I don't think Whedon's style is quite on that extreme, I definitely think you're right in that there are there are tells in his writing. There are things where it's it's coming across that this is this is almost like a, a this is a Whedon character. This is a Whedon obsession. Yeah. I, I do. You, do you know if he knew that when he was writing this that it was over? I mean, obviously he I didn't make a finale, but at the same time, it does kind of feel like he's trying to close up a couple of loose ends, like River for one. My understanding of this, and I, I, I may have got a bit confused about this, but I think I'm right, is that this episode was the third from last that was filmed. And therefore, even during the filming of it, they didn't know that it okay. was that it was it because I think they found out during filming of Trash, which was the penultimate episode to be filmed. So they knew when, or maybe it was actually during the Message, which was the last one filmed. They they certainly knew when they were filming the Message that that was it. Whereas I think at this point he didn't, even though. His choice of running order places this episode at the end of the run. Okay, I, it if I were if I were putting this in a TV series, um, you know, of, of the of the age in the twenties length that they had back then, twenty episodes or so. This kind of it doesn't quite feel like what we now call a mid-season cliffhanger, but at the same point, it does kind of feel like something you'd go out on before you went into a, a, a couple months of reruns or something. It, it, it has a, it has a feel of being a little bit bigger. And I think that's because it's not tying up the river story, but it's, it's giving us a major bump along the way uh, of, of her development as a character. See, I see, I, I, I have a slightly ambivalent, relationship with this episode as the final episode because i still don't feel like it is a big episode in that respect i don't quite know why i i mean partly it's because it's one of those episodes that's entirely set on the spaceship with only one guest star albeit an excellent guest star who we'll come back to that inevitably gives it a kind of somewhat low-key feeling and even though that yes it is a very river-centric episode and yes I do agree that it is significant in River's development our understanding of River and her relationship with the with uh, the rest of the crew for the reasons that I've said I don't think that it does 
actually constitute quite as groundbreaking a revelation about river as is claimed for it compared to something like war stories where you see her ability as an, as an assassin where something suddenly really big I think clicks in place and it's I don't think that's as good a story but I think it's as it's a bigger revelation hmm. and 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 also partly I mean I'm not saying I think the message would be a good final episode because it's not it's not that good an episode but maybe something like heart of gold which is a western and has horses in it that feels bigger to me even though it's not a an arc story it just feels like something where you would be going out on a high and it does have a pretty dramatic cliffhanger so you know perhaps to me that that feels like a high and then this feels like a low-key episode that's a it's a good episode it's an enjoyable episode but i w- if you know if i were actually watching this for for real and not you know on a box set where i know it's the last disc i would feel kind of a bit bereft that there's not going to be an episode next week it's funny because what what i get out of it is so when we watch heart of gold and you have big shoot 'em up and horses and and horses yay yeah, horses and uh it, it, but it's, I'd say bereft of meaning, but in a way, it's very melodrama. And this is a low-key episode. And obviously it is a melodrama. It's a story about a bounty hunter trying to take somebody on. I'm not, not trying to downplay that aspect of it. But it's, but it's an episode that can that make you think. And Heart yes. of Gold really isn't. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> really? They got feelings for each other? I shock me there but this one you you walk out of it and you go hmm i i think i think some of the characters did some growth today in this story yeah and also we whedon is weeding whedon is writing about existentialism Mm -hmm. and it which is a concept that i have always struggled with anyway it 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 is always just like well first off there's so many different schools of thought uh, it anyway but yeah <laughs> well i i i mean he, he in the commentary he's he's not he's not claiming to be a particular scholar of mm. sartre or any any school of existentialism am i am i right but, in in am i right in my characterization that existentialism existentialism is um a, a philosophy that says any kind of uh, meaning comes out of your own self-existence, and so hmm. y- your your meaning is derived from within yourself. So this is why some people can hmm. take an object, like uh, uh, when you're talking about o- objects in ex- existentialism. You know, the function of the space. object is what your interpretation of it, not necessarily what the interpretation of another person was when they created it. So you can you can distance right. function and form to your own interpretation and that hence hence all of the kind of examination of guns and and things like this and people looking at yeah and and also the the scene about you're i'm a you know you're a violent person well i'm a bounty hunter it's part of the job no you took the job because it is it's it has to do with how he sees himself what what his existence is that has led him to this position as opposed to the position leading him to the the nature of the 
person that would be a bounty hunter? Does that follow in that whole, that, that all seems to be part of the, the theme. And we can carry that back to Mal and his, uh, you know, his code and his way of looking at things that all drives out from how Mal sees the universe. Um, all of that seems like yes. Although, although it's, I mean, I think the 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 interesting thing. I, I mean, I I really I like I like the character of Early. I mean, that sounds bad because obviously he's extremely nasty, and yeah, I don't is. like him. But but I I I I love Richard Brooks, his performance in this, and I particularly like the fact that. Early is engaging with these ideas himself. And so he is quite reflective and curious about, you know, some of the, some of these ideas to, to, to do with existence and nature. And I, you know, even, even down to that last, that last sort of comment right at the end of the episode where he's just floating in, in space, you know, well, here I am. You know, now that, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like I said, I'm still processing this episode. But while you were talking, before we got to the bit about the last scene, it crossed my mind that, so again, back to that existentialism coming from yourself. If you were an object in space, if you were a man alone in a spaceship, meaning can only come, right? You're, you're just there all alone with your own brain. Yeah. And so is the tr crew of the Firefly, except that they've got their their family dynamic. And Mal even makes that comment about them being all alone out here in space. So they're making their own way because they're forming the world in their vision. And this guy is alone. And that would tie in with his last comment as he floats away. It fits that theme again. Which of yes. course is the title of the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, yeah, and 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 the and the, and the kind of ev ev the meaning of serenity herself and everyone's relationship with her and the fact that uh, you you get this trick uh, or this what should we say feint where River pretends or takes on the identity of of serenity and. You you also in addition get all of these unusual shots where the camera passes through the the the, yeah, the ship. floors yeah. and the, the the shell of the the ship, which was apparently something that had become quite common at the time, and which Whedon said there he would not have done he would not have done for any other episode. But I I don't like that. I have to admit, and I did notice it. I didn't put it to the theme or in any way, shape, or form. But I, I saw it as you're going into. Well, it, I'm like, his, yeah, I don't his, like it. his justification is his justification is that is this is part of it, and I do th I do think it I do think it is used very effectively in this. Um, so some some of the things that he deliberately draws attention to in the commentary that I wouldn't necessarily. Just, I mean, there's one thing that I think where it does work very well. I think anyone would spot watching the episode, which is where you see the sequence where they're standing around talking and you've got early outside the ship listening in so you and you, so you cut through to that and and you cut through the floor and you see river standing below the room listening up and they're, they're, i and think they're I think mirroring each other they're mirroring each other which is which comes back to this point about 
his his being a counterpart to her. But also something that I didn't spot, which is that at the beginning, he sets it up by having the shot of Serenity passing a planet. And then this extraordinary shot where the camera actually dives into and through Serenity. So establishing this idea of being able to see inside her. That, it turns out, mirrors to at the end where they're playing jacks just before... Mm just before he cuts back through the floor of the ship, River holds up the the you know, the little rubber ball that they're playing with. Was it supposed to be the planet they showed earlier? And well, it it mirrors it exactly. It mirrors it exactly. I didn't notice it. I, I saw that and when they did to the I wouldn't have noticed it. I, I wouldn't have noticed it but then I he looked pointed at the it out. Ball and the way she held it in their hand and I'm like, this is supposed to mean something, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like well I, I i just i read it as she was thinking about winning the game because it comes back to this thing of if she looks at where all of the jacks are and she looks at the ball mm-hmm. she is going to what do I some amazing is, thing with says she ball, yeah. she just she just she just did the math no nobody can shoot like that that's not a person nobody can play jacks like that's not a person she's going to be able to well that's what i she thought can just do the math but it, it was the framing of the shot that was weird. When they when they pulled back yeah. to the ball and they were showing the ball, I thought, well, the next shot is going to be her dropping it because that's what they're trying to show us is that she's doing the math. But then they do that, frankly, annoying pull back through the ship. And I'm like, that's weird that they concentrated on the ball. It did not occur to me that that's supposed to mirror the planet that they were on when they yep. – pushed in that i can see it now that you say it but i think it was wasted on the audience on the rabble <laughs> well that's that's what in the in the in the uh interview in the companion book that's that's kind of what the interviewer is getting it said to whedon did you expect the audience to respond to objects on an existential level and he says well ultimately you try to reach people on the level of oh this is entertaining this guy's a bad guy badass uh, oh, he's menacing Kaylee. Oh, he's got a cool outfit. And wait a minute, is River the ship? So I I kind of think that the intention here is that this episode works on a more accessible level than all of that, but that the rest of it is there for you if you want it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's only a certain there's only a certain percentage of the population that have had their brains messed up by having any exposure to existentialism. So, I mean... <laughs> And, and, and you know, there's only there's only a certain percentage of the audience that's going to buy the thing on DVD and Blu-ray and watch it umpteen times after the initial broadcast. Had it ever been initially broadcast? I, I mean, I got it. I, I I got those things on the first watch through because I've only watched it the one time. But at the same time, I was watching it, you know, with the eye towards the podcast and within my mind yeah, all yeah, the things we talked reading. about. Uh, it it definitely it definitely changes the way you watch an episode and it definitely changes the way you interpret and things i've liked in the past i've disliked and things that i've disliked in the past i've liked for those very reasons and i normally watch shows like i was saying earlier I, i've been forever messed up whatever i watch i'm always at least doing that at some level trying to to deconstruct it because i've it's been damaged by my english class and <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know, even more so when when I'm trying to watch it and 
take notes and go, oh, that's an interesting, that's, that was a little interesting thing. Um, a couple things about uh, uh, early. Um, the first is, mm-hmm. I just want to say that he's equally as awful as, uh, what's his name in Heart of Gold with his... Um, I've com- forgotten his name, but... Yeah, with his conversation about raping Kaylee. That, that's yes. pretty... Yes. It, that, yeah. Bad. It's, it's, it's nasty. It's nasty. And it, yes. Uh, it's effective. Whedon, Whedon says about that, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those scenes where after you write it, you think, for that to have come out of me, am I as nice a person as I thought? And the rest of the cast and crew won't, uh, uh-huh. won't talk to you for the rest of the day. Did I, was it last week or something that I said that? that? That, you know, when some of the stuff that comes out of these writers, you have to wonder. <laughs> well, you really, I, yeah. You really have to wonder where that comes from out of them. I'm not saying that Whedon's planning on doing that or anything like that, but I mean, no, it, where do you but it, get but it's that being, it's, Well, it's, it's being in touch with something very dark inside yourself. The question is, do without want to sound too much like early myself, do we all have that inside ourselves? And it's just it's 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 something that that perhaps writers or some writers are more aware of. Yeah, it's it's and can tap into the with the rest of us it's just kind of suppressed and, and you know, hopefully never never emerges in any form. I, I would guess that it probably is at, I don't know. I, I mean, so, uh, you know, there there are ideas that, and I want to say rape is a new idea because that's not what I'm getting at in any stretch. Obviously, that one's been around for a very, very, very long time. But um, do you recall the controversy um, many years ago, Rod Serling wrote a story i can't remember what it was but he essentially invented hijack on an airplane never been done before no one had ever pulled it off um he came up with the idea and very shortly thereafter someone did it you mean no one had hijacked an airplane correct story correct goodness me in fact rod serling even came out and apologized for it and then i think later he came out and he didn't apologize he unapologized he said no it's not my fault (laughs) i'm just a writer and I've come up with a with a but you know these ideas come from somewhere and they get into the cultural you know once once the idea is unleashed it will never be put back in the bottle so somewhere along the line somebody came up with the idea of threatening a captor a captive with you know behavioral rape you and that's tapped into the that's tapped into the that ever increasing cesspool of the human mind um, that. That that just gets worse and worse with time, and boy, I sound cynical. But um, I, I, yeah, you know, I I I wonder, you know, do we well, all I, have well, it? I, yes, I mean, this is this is uh, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure where you're go- going with it. it. This is not the first instance of right rape, rape as a as a threat in this form. The, the human race is encountered correct, because correct. This, this this mirrors things that have really happened. So it's not it's not like inventing hijacking. It's not like Oppenheimer creating something that could be used destroyer for extraordinarily yeah. destructive purposes. On the other hand, are you perhaps saying that this is an entertainment 
in which presenting these ideas is a step in normalizing them in some sense. I do think I think there's a certain amount of I, I do think there's a certain amount of that. I mean, there's no doubt you're watching this episode that, that Early is the bad guy and he is absolutely doing a horrible, horrible thing and utterly unacceptable at at any level. But nonetheless, there are people who are more than willing to do utterly unacceptable things. And the more often you expose them to it, the more the more often it's probably going to happen in, in the world. And I think I was just reading an article about the people who are the human moderators for Facebook and and what psychological messes they become being exposed to this stuff. <laughs> oh, terrible yes. stuff. Terrible, terrible stuff. They get, you know, some of them get swept into the conspiracies and become flat earthers or 9-11 truthers or just from going over all this stuff over and over again. Like they finally just kind of get, yeah, you know, something. Yeah, uh-huh. It, it, I see it. It's true. And... Or, or it reminds you know watching people being killed all the time and then they they start like bringing guns into work to to protect themselves because they're afraid of the other people and then then when they get fired their people are scared of them and I mean you know but I, no I, yeah 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 but it but it but it that reminds me of of this this story of uh, for, we're discussing our English teachers today okay. Um, one of my English teachers uh, went off midway through my A-levels. She got another job working for the... So th this will need some explanation for the uh, audience on your side of the pond. All of our... Actually, I don't know how it works with you, but all of our films that are released on uh, video or in the cinema have to be classified right. by a board... Who decide whether it gets a, a you know a certificate that says you have to be fifteen or eighteen to watch it, or whether you can just be accompanied by a parental guardian, or whether anyone can watch it. And they literally have, there's there's twelve people on them. Two people have to watch every single thing that is released. And she went off to become one of these twelve. They're not mm. quite censors, but let's call them censors. Yeah. And um. After some time doing this, she, she quit and wrote an article in The Guardian about why she quit doing it. And it turns out that most of the stuff that gets released in any format on video or in cinemas in the UK is pornography. And that, you know, by volume, that that's just what people buy. That's therefore what people make. And yes, there are obviously a whole bunch of really good films that you think well if i had a job that was just watching films for for the whole day it would be great it'd be like being in the cinema uh -huh. well no mm. not unless that cinema was some filthy basement in soho and so there were yes there was that element of just having to watch this rubbish all the time but also st stuff like you know she, she said i i i'm probably uh, misquoting her but it was along the lines of she would rather her son watched some of this rubbish which was you know pretty pretty bad than watched another episode of Barney the Purple Dinosaur which was even more mind rotting <laughs> and uh, I I kind I kind of think yes okay there is a there is a point here which is we do need to be careful what we present on 
screen and we need to be careful how we present it on screen. But the argument, if we're advancing it, that showing some of these things somehow normalises them, is the Mary Whitehouse Mm, argument. mm, I know, I know. know, There is too much sex and violence on TV and it does get... It does get into the realms of censorship and it does risk, I think, and, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not 100% on this. I'm maybe 80-20 on this. So but I, it does risk that you have, you have an interesting character in Jubal Early whose dark side is important to him and it, and it, and it is an interesting character to portray and television would be less rich if we hadn't had this portrayal. I, I, I'm... I'm going to say that we, we've stumbled upon here uh, uh, one of those one of those truths. This is this is going to be the episode that has the true true truth in it, and that is is that many issues, most issues, all issues, in my general opinion, are not 100% binary black and white. And the the <laughs> oh, issue man. about the issue about censorship isn't isn't black and white, and no. Uh, I, you know, you're right. There's, there's a line and how the heck do you know what that line is? Um, you know, I well, think because some, because some people would, would ban everything written by Graham Greene or whatever, you right. know, that people's lines are in different places. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. I think in the United States, if I'm not mistaken, there is a board that, uh, that rates movies that are put out in proper cinemas but i think by and large x-rated films as in pornography x-rated films do not they just don't even bother they just they market them where pornography is allowed to be marketed and they don't have to go through that censorship board or that that movie ratings board unless they're trying to release it in cinemas and so um that's so I I don't think we have a censorship board that has to watch every porn film that was ever put out. But at I don't know where I was going with that. There, there was another there was another step to that argument, but I got distracted by porn. Uh, <laughs> you know, saying you know how that goes. Black and white. I'm saying everything there, is. There, the... there are there are just there are justifications for censorship in some cases. But where you draw the line is a subjective decision. So oh, how I know. On earth can you decide? I know it is. In the United States, there was a land, there was a, probably a Supreme Court ruling uh, with regards to pornography, and I, the the effect of that ruling was that we don't have a we can't write down a definition of what pornography is, but I'll know it if I see it. <laughs> Believe that's the judge's words. So there you go. Yeah. Yes. The very definition of subjective. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's exactly right, and and but anyway, drifting on. I'm not entirely sure that's what I was going at. I was kind of I was kind of questioning whether or not you know uh, Whedon is pulling that out of his own dark space, or whether he's pulling that out of the 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 atmospheric dark space. Oh, I saw that in another film, so I'll that's a good idea, or whether that was oh, but it's stuck in his mind. I yeah, mean... and we don't. We don't know, but I mean, that's, uh, you know, now I've seen it. That's an idea that might be used in writing someday because it's now stuck in my head. Just like the idea of a a hijacking or, 
uh, something. And, and in, in, I would like to think in my case, that would only be ever with regards to writing something. But somebody else hmm. might think, hey, that's the way to get, you know, free hamburgers at McDonald's or something. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't, think, I don't think they would have paid much close attention to the story if they thought that. But of course, it's a possibility. <laughs> The, well, they have bacon on their hamburgers the, now. So anyway, the, I mean the way the, the 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 way in which he interacts with the different characters in the episode again, was something Whedon says deliver it in the writing. But I found was interesting. He he deals with different people differently. So he puts Mal out of action straight away, physically, yeah. and you know, drops him down into his quarters. He threatens Kaylee in this a remarkably nasty way, but he engages with Simon on a kind of logical level in that he tries to get into his head about why Simon is going to cooperate with him in the way he wants. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with Book, he just puts him straight down. And, and uh, so, so it's... It's slightly different for for each of them, and I again I quite like the way in which that is a counterpoint to River's ability to to read people. Um, you know, thinking back to the way she dealt with Badger early on, for example, she she can find something about them and and use it to disarm them. Do, do you think that he knew all about the crew? Well, I think before he came I, on board, my my impression is that is that the 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 episode as it is told compresses a lot of the time that he spends listening so i think we're supposed to understand that i mean he may he may he may have done additional research in advance he obviously has found out that river is aboard serenity so he must know something about serenity and there's a chance to do some background on the crew but also i think he was outside listening for some time and therefore has observed something about the personalities of the crew which i think may have may have enabled him to do to to read them in a very intuitive way in the way perhaps not to the extent river can because he's not a product of some government experimentation but he's still highly intuitive and therefore he he knows almost instinctively how to deal with the different people Hmm. okay um let's see uh best line ever in the entire series no idea go on no idea that sounds like science fiction you live Ah, on a spaceship yes (laughs) so uh, yeah, it, it was. I it did. Was, I had. I had that noted down, and I particularly liked the so, as if, you know, why would why would living on a spaceship be science fiction? Because, of course, the the sounds like science fiction line is a line that will alienate the audience. Zoe is speaking for the audience, but he is saying, actually, science fiction is a is a matter of perspective. I've I've got the world biggest library and encyclopedia in my pocket and a tiny little screen mm-hmm. there's a person inside inside it that i can talk to no one thinks that that's a science fiction everyone just takes it for granted it's day-to-day life but run back 20 years and people would be gobsmacked yep yep absolutely 
Absolutely. Still, it's a fantastic line. I, 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 I believe it. <laughs> I believe it's my favorite in the entire, in my entire series, the entire series. No, it is. It is very good. It is very good. I, a couple of things I want to ask about the, the early one was, what did you make of, there was one thing that happened in this episode that felt to me like it was meant to be significant. And, and if it was, it flew right over my head. And I've tried to put it in with the theme and I've tried to put it in with everything else. And I just simply don't know what it is. It's like, are you a lion? A lion? Am I, you know, and then did it, that, that, what was the point of that? <laughs> was there? I, I think it tells us something about, tells us a couple of things about early. One is, I think, in terms of identity, because I, I'm pretty sure. Well, that's an that existentialist it, angle. Well, yeah, but it's but it's the it's the alliance that has offered the bounty, I think. So, in some sense, he is alliance. In terms of his own self identification, he does not see himself as being alliance. To the point where, when he hears this slightly, I mean, it's it's fairly clear to our ears, but he he mishears it, and so he interprets it as a lion because he's not thinking along those lines. That's how much. He doesn't identify with the alliance. Ah. The other, the other part of it is obviously just it gives you another chance for him to go off on a riff about, you know, well, I roar, thinking about it in the in the philosophical way that he thinks about all things. I felt the best I could come up with it at that point as I'm watching the episode. Right, so you have to take into account when that happened. We were at a point in the story, you know, he'd already subdued Mal and locked up the others. And now he'd gotten to Simon and Kaylee and now he'd gotten to Simon. And I was of the impression that by this point, River is aware of the problem. Well, obviously, because she's gone from the bed. Right. So at this point, I felt River was solve trying to solve the problem and that this is something that she was doing. And I don't mean psychically. I was thinking more in terms, you know, either the guy's having a stroke or he's being, I don't know, gassed or something. And, and that was the first sign that something was going wrong in, in the mind. And then of course, nothing came of that. So it wasn't that at all, which is probably why it confuses me. But it's like the, the first moment where I'm like, this guy is having some problems in his brain. No, I think it was just mishearing. Hmm. Okay. I mean, you know that it, <clears throat> that's um I heard it I heard it as alliance, but mm-hmm. not so clearly enunciated that I couldn't I couldn't you know, I it I understood why Early heard it as a lion. It is a lion. It is a thing that you know, T movie scripts, T V scripts are not natural. Right? <laughs> they, they don't they frequently don't sound natural. And um, I, I'll give you a good example. Uh, famous director from long ago, Howard Hawks, was uh, notorious for having characters step on each other's dialogue in the mm-hmm. movies, which people do all the time. All they have to do is listen to this podcast and they'll know that we're, I'm constantly stepping Absolutely. on other people's time. And, uh, um, but it's not done in the movies because you're trying to convey the information to the audience. It's not about conveying a sense of of reality necessarily no, it's theatrical it's, technique it's like, and so people mishearing lines is not typically used except in comedy situations yes in in or to tell you something 
about characters. So that's another reason why when he did that, it it jarred on my my deconstructive nature and it said, "What's that about? Why why did the writer choose to do that line? Is there something about it that that I'm supposed to take out of it?" Um the the comedy element is interesting but i i don't think it i don't think it's intended to make the audience laugh i don't think it's a comical mm-hmm. thing in that respect but i think there is something sort of not laugh out loud funny about it but there is something funny about it and it, it i think it it adds to what we understand about early's character well and that's much like when he licks the pole as well i mean you you go okay yeah he's just not right I mean, it's more than just having a... a Well, he's certainly not right. Yeah, it's more than just having a warped personality. I mean, there's something else going on wrong in there. So what about his line, that ain't no shepherd? Yes. (laughs) Is that because he knows something? Because he studied the crew? (laughs) Well, it it could be. It's, It's ambiguous. Or it could simply be, again, his incredibly intuitive sensibilities. Because we've... We've seen enough of the way Book behaves in certain situations and certain kind of suspicious aspects to what he says and does that raise questions for us. Mm. Mm. And because he's so much more intuitive, he's just jumped jumped a few steps ahead. But yeah, certainly it could be. I mean, we know we know he, we know uh, from oh, I forget which episode. We know he. We know he's in the alliance system, mm-hmm. and we know that early has potentially. I mean, for he must have some contact because he's been given this job. So potentially he has some way of looking up the crew. Are bounty hunters hit. given jobs? I mean, I. I yeah. Upon well, reflection, life, yes. Well, you know, the, the, the Western notion of a bounty hunter is a guy who travels around from town to town and walks into town and finds a wanted poster on the on the sheriff's office and rips it down Fair and point. folds it up and goes off and then hunts for the guy. He's freelance. Fair point. I was thinking of bail bondsman, but I, I mean, the, the whole point about Firefly is that it is taking the Western genre. So I suppose that ought to be where we take our references from but you're right bail bondsman type bounty hunters are assigned out by the the bail company so it's six one half dozen of the other depends on what whedon was thinking at the time but i was thinking old west bounty hunter at, at the at the notion but i don't so, think i don't think there's a i don't think there's a definitive definitive answer in the episode about no. how early knows about book could well, go either way well i have one other thing i just wanted to mention at one point in the past um or possibly more than one point in the past in this podcast you and i have uh discussed jane as a liability or jane as an asset and <laughs> i i think the the you know of course he's just he's just out of the game in this one they just leave him asleep um but i think we had a discussion and uh, hopefully i'm not mischaracterizing uh it came out of it but I believe that your position was that Mal has has weighed Jane's usefulness versus Jane's threat. Yeah. And that he is, on balance, more of a asset than he is a liability. 
basically. There's more in yeah, that, there's more in that call. Better inside your tent pissing out than inside outside your tent pissing in. And this episode, I feel like the whole point of it was to move River into that same position. I mean, yeah, Jane, I guess. Jane yeah. couldn't yeah. have well, he might have been able to get him out of this situation. I don't know. But but River gets him out of the situation using that brain of hers. Yes. And yes. they haven't got a lot of brains um in their <laughs> ouch in their planning. I mean I, I well I don't and I'm not trying to be harsh on them, but I don't think they're supposed to be particularly super clever people. They're supposed to be ordinary people, and obviously River is not. Neither is Simon. And he did demonstrate yeah. his his worth to them. And I think that's the episode where he moved in, in I guess, Ariel, the raid on Ariel, where he kind of moved over into that, you know, he's a yeah, doctor, although, a doctor's I mean, a good asset, but he's also... Yeah, Doc, the, being a doctor is already an asset and the right. not being a nut job is not a liability. So he's a lot more clear cut in that sense. Right. His biggest liability is the fact that he's wanted. I mean, that is a liability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, with him. Yes. But, you know, he was he was more, you know, is he more or less trouble than he's worth? Well, it turns out he's he's less trouble than he's worth. So you want to you want to keep him around. And I, I just feel like, you know, what we were doing here is finally putting River in the family. And Mal has has made up his mind. It's like, OK, we're going to we're going to deal yeah. with this at this point. Because- yeah. Although although I, I also really like I mean, drawing the parallel with Jane, I really like the moment in the episode where they are having that argument about river and i forget what it i forget what it is about that he says about jane but he makes sorry that jane said the comment jane makes about river which is a, you know a, along the lines of something alluding back to to ariel and mal he 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 almost gets into his space and says, "Is that the is that the direction you really want to take the conversation in?" So it's a reminder oh, that it was about the Jane guns. is there on sufferance. Yeah, they were talking. Oh, about- big, 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 because it was one of it was one of Jane's guns that River got hold of. Yeah, we, we're gonna. I just don't want to take the blame for this. Yeah, something of that nature. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Yes. And- yes. And so is that is that the is that the direction you want to take this conversation in? Because when it comes to blame, obviously Mal has covered up mm. one big thing that Jane certainly was yeah. to blame for. Especially yeah. as I don't think Mal knows that, that Simon and River have, have twigged that. So I like I like that. I also liked the whole, you know, speaking of the comedy aspect of it, which Jane is never never um f- falls short in terms of delivering was this whole thing of him being out of the game. And the best bit of that was when he ripped the cover off his guns. Yeah. And it was just that classic misdirection of you think, right, now he's going to leap into action. And he wraps the cover around himself and turns over to go back to sleep. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was amusing. It was amusing. Um, I wonder what would have happened if he hadn't, though. Right. In other words, he'd ripped his sudden gun. He was locked in his he was locked in his room. It's interesting that River wasn't trying to communicate with him. Yeah. Right? She was only she was only communicating with the others. So apparently she was tapping into all their rooms. Mm-hmm. She overheard Zoe and Wash talking about the guns and she said, Ah, no, 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 use the guns and and you know, it, it was at, but Jane, she didn't as far as I can tell, she didn't make any effort 
nor nor book, as far as I can tell. But no, but Jane certainly would only have used guns. So if that was not what she wanted, then he would have been the wrong person to call on. I need Kaylee. I need you to open up all the doors except Jane's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, have you got anything else in the episode? I I think we've. Uh, I just wanted to mention the fact that um, Richard Brooks was. I'd, I'd never seen him in anything um, besides this. And I, when I first watched it, I was like, he's awfully familiar. I recognise that voice. I recognise him. Um, you, don't, you, you don't necessarily get a good shot of his face early on. Um, and you may not know this, but he was one of the... Well, he was the first and is one of the best assistant district attorneys in Law & Order when the, the show first started. Is that before or after this it was a it was about ten years before okay so he 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 was he was he was the assistant district attorney to michael moriarty's um character in maybe the first three or four years of of law and order so it's quite you know quite quite long running and he is terribly good he is terribly good and so I thought he was a brilliant casting in this. He definitely did. Um, uh, no, no complaints. He 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 came off as the character that I felt that the writer wanted on the page, mm-hmm. you know, or wanted to come off the page. I I would say, uh, I would. I don't. I'm not familiar with him from Law and Order or anything else. So, just a, a an actor doing a job when I was watching it. But yeah, he was. He, he I I was convinced he was nuts. I was absolutely sold. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I higher praise I cannot pay to an actor. I was convinced. <laughs> well, I think that's it. Um, we are going to look at the movie Serenity. So just to confuse, Serenity, yes, yeah, just to confuse things. The pilot episode of this was called Serenity, and and the movie is called Serenity. So don't think and that both the feature length. Yes. Ending the show. Yes, yes. And the funny thing is, uh, in the United States, uh, Firefly is available on Hulu, but Serenity is only available on Netflix. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's bizarre. Luckily, I have them both, but. Uh... <laughs> so uh, that's what we'll be looking at uh, next time. And uh, and presumably, we'll talk about it then, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my predictions that there's going to be one of two things that are going to happen. They are either going to try to wrap up the show because they got a shot at a movie or they're going to try to set it up for a series of feature-length sequels that they're hoping to make one of the two and and we'll see after i've after i've watched it oh simon's already seen it so anyway simon thank you for joining me it's a pleasure as always and listeners i do hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol you've been listening to fusion patrol a listener-supported podcast Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.